to the Modern Maker Podcast for Thursday, February 3rd, 2022. First podcast of the year. You guys might have missed our lovely voices for the past few weeks, but I did want to let you guys know that it is National Feed the Birds Day. So that's why we had to bring it back. Those birds got to eat. That's right. And we're excited to be back. It's been a while, guys. It has. What have you guys been up to? Should we just hop right in? Let's hop right in. We took a January off. Some people do a dry January. We were just drinking the whole time and not podcasting. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta stay hydrated. Should we get right into what we've been building and working on or just general recap? Just catch up us on life. We don't have to do anything crazy. Just talk about whatever you want to talk about. Yeah. Business as usual. All right. I'll go first. So been busy with hotel stuff, moving forward with like finalizing the design documents. And now that we have this sort of a basic sort of entitlements done, other than that, been working on some renovation projects, and right now I'm in the middle of renovating a garage and turning it into a art gallery and studio for a local artist. And, oh, I remember talking about a while, I think, where I was think- talking about sort of saving glass bottles and like breaking them up and then using that as like the kind of aggregate it for an epoxy pour. Mm-hmm. I finished that and it came out. It, there are some minor disasters. So... Is there any way that you would see this? Basically, what happened is I made this giant silicone mold and it's a pretty three-dimensional object. I'm basically casting an entire piece of furniture out of epoxy and broken glass. Wow. Now, to get the first prototype that I made out so they would have an empty silicone mold, I had to cut it in half. It had to be a sort of a two-part. And I don't know why we don't remember these things, Mike, but... Both of us have leaked epoxy all over our studio a few times. Oh, no. What happened? Well, the first pour, I thought I taped it up pretty good and sealed it, but epoxy is like basically water and it got through the little cracks and then, I don't know, about a quart of epoxy basically stuck the mold to the floor. So, but at the same time, it also sealed the mold. That first sort of pour of epoxy, Mm. most of it came out, but it did seal it. So, I did subsequent pours. The glass aggregate with the epoxy worked fantastic. It did a couple of things that were really interesting. One, it gave me this kind of like smoky translucent, you know, it also displaced a lot of epoxy. So, I was able to make a pretty big piece and I probably saved about half the, I basically used as much glass as I did epoxy. So, it basically cut my epoxy need in half for the project, which is expensive and really good. How small of bits of of glass are we talking about here? Okay. So, I was thinking about like, oh, I need to get some like chicken wire or screen to to sort the glass. I broke the glass in this big metal tray. And I was like, I need something to sift it out so I get nice, consistent glass gravel. So, I got these like trays that they use for like gold mining. They're like prospector (laughs) trays. Cannon for glass. Like sifting trays. They stack all up and they have like progressively smaller grids of mesh. So, yeah. and they're really cheap on Amazon. It was super cool. So, we, I actually had a whole bunch of buckets of glass gravel that were all different sizes from eighth inch all the way up to half inch. So, I kind of like varied it. The It's interesting when you get the smaller, like the eighth inch to quarter inch gr- glass gravel, you can't really see it in the epoxy. It just looks like hazy epoxy. But when you use the bigger chips of glass, you actually see it. Because it traps little air bubbles and stuff like that sometimes too. 
I got it. So you're kind of mixing it in. It's like terrazzo, but the cool part terrazzo. with this, terrazzo, <laughs> the cool part with this though is it's clear. So you get yeah. to see all the way through. So you can see all those pieces. Is it, what would you say? Does it like suspend in the middle really well or does it yeah. kind of float to the top or the bottom? Well, the glass is heavier than the epoxy. Yeah, I so would think it would sink. I basically, the, the one thing I was worried about was whether or not there'd be like a piece of glass touching the side of the mold and you'd have mm. like a sharp little bump, yeah. but it's all like smooth to the touch. It did trap when I used a bigger chunks of glass air bubbles, yeah. which gave it kind of like a hazy feel. So I think if I mixed the glass into the epoxy and then poured it all, it would get a lot of the air out. So I might try that if I wanted a really clear pour because some of the little air bubbles could make it a little bit hazy. But here was the really interesting part. So I was using Total Boats Fathom. It's, you know, it's their newest sort of deep set mm-hmm. or thick set epoxy. And... They say that you can pour it three inches deep. I actually poured it about nine inches deep, but it was going through the glass and the glass acted as a heat sink and kept the epoxy from going exothermic. So, even though I poured way deeper than the the sort of suggested use, because there was so much glass intermixed, that glass, I think, absorbed some of the heat, which kept it from boiling. Because... The epoxy is moving in and out of the glass and filling up the negative space, and the mold was more than half full full of glass. That's cool that uh, Total Boat has a thicker pour now, because before, the stuff that I used on the epoxy vanity I did, I had to pour it up in, I think, three-quarter inch or one-inch thick layers, but I did a total of like a 10 or 12-inch thick countertop, so it was a lot, a lot of drying time. You said this stuff is rated for like three inches or what? Yes, three inches of like a that's solid cool. epoxy pour. So because And that's plenty for a river table or any kind of tabletop for a dining table that you're probably gonna ever do. Right. And so it would have been a really interesting technique for you to use for the sink mic because that epoxy wasn't that transparent. So you wouldn't have actually seen the glass. You would just if you use like an opaque mm. epoxy, you wouldn't see any of the glass infill. Just oh, that's filler. a really neat idea. I would like to see it with color. Right. Because in that sense, you're just doing it for utility. Like you're doing it because it's saving money, it, epoxy is expensive, and it doesn't really detract or add to the look. It's kind of just a, right. it's just kind of a medium for looks. Right. So the general premise is I wanted to make translucent furniture. This doesn't have just an epoxy top, but the whole thing is made out of a single pour. So this is like an 18-inch tall side table that's all one piece of epoxy. But that's an awful, that probably would have been like, Two and a half gallons, and I only used like one and a quarter gallons. Is it heavy? That's pretty cool. Uh, it weighs about sixty pounds. Okay, <laughs> a lot of I broke a lot of glass. So Jesse posted it on her Instagram stories, but you know, as that's that's why you had to drink all January. Yep, yep. I was busy counting uh, <laughs> modellas, but basically, I welded up this glass tray, was just breaking bottles with a hammer, and then like sifting the broken glass with like prospecting equipment. So. Pretty fun stuff. Other than that, do, working on some canvas frames for painting. So, I was thinking about like I made that kind of switchable canvas fa- frame that was also a projector screen on one side. Mm-hmm. Right. And I was thinking, okay, the stretching canvas is actually really easy to do. And you can make acoustical panels out of it. So many cool stuff just doing the kind of standard technique for making canvas frames. Then I was thinking, well, if this was really easy sort of building them, what if I actually just see and seed them? Could I just make some really crazy shapes? So, I've been experimenting making 
rounded, cornered rectangles, kind of like old screen, old school TV screen looking shapes. Not mm-hmm. quite full sausage body, Mike, but pretty close. Sausage <laughs> definitely cornered. elongated in one way or another. Yeah, like a more of a of a spam slice. You okay. Know, the, yeah. Yeah. But I like that idea of just sort of playing with the shape of the painting, since I'm not a very good painter. So, a lo- lot of fun experiments in the work. February will be a probably like a four to five video month. Nice. Awesome. Chris, what about you, man? What's new? Man. Okay. So, to bring everybody up to speed, my year started off with a bang when <laughs> my brother, we had our, our family Christmas party the day after Christmas and my brother brought COVID. So, <laughs> yeah. So, everybody's fine. But uh, it, it made working very difficult in the first part of the year because, so I come to work that Monday after, and then my brother calls me, hey, I tested positive. So I have a three-year-old who's obviously not vaccinated. Sean has a three-month-old who's Real obviously Joe Rogan not- fan, that three-year-old, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's doing his own research still. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, so <laughs> yeah. So basically, we we wanted to- the the main priority was not getting Sean's three month old sick. So, you know, just like if you had a cold or whatever, you'd be like, well, let's, I'm not going to come near them so that they don't potentially get sick. We basically took turns. So thankfully Sean was going up to where he comes from. <laughs> from Central he, California. From where he hails. Mars. Yeah, it's a good thing he's not a minority. <laughs> I know. <laughs> from wherever his kind of people come from, white people. <laughs> Uh, he actually took a 23 and me and he got 110% white <laughs> somehow. But anyway, so he was going to be gone. So basically I worked from the shop by myself for that week. Then he came back. And then the next week he worked during the day. I worked during the evening. Then the next week I worked again. It was a, it, it turned out to be a three week fiasco because you basically tried to make it to where neither of you two were in the shop at the same time. Right. And the reason got that it. it lasted so long is because our three-year-old ended up getting sick and Uh-oh. then, and so he's, he's the only one that actually like got sick and had symptoms. And then Dolores and our eight-year-old also both got sick, but they were no symptoms. And sure. somehow I didn't get it. I don't know how I dodged the bullet, but it's it that immune three, system. I know it, it took three weeks for everything to finally get back to normal. So now we've been back to normal for a couple weeks I mean, we've started doing those tips videos, which, you know, Steve Ramsey's always doing stuff about project videos are dead. Like he'll always make YouTube videos kind of about that topic. I don't believe that, but like, I guess, yeah, it makes sense that a tips video has more potential because it it doesn't matter what aesthetic you're into or whatever. A woodworking tip is a woodworking tip. So I kind of made like a conscious decision to actually scale back on the amount of content that I'm doing. And so what I'm doing right now is a project video a month and a tips video a month. And oh, I'm wow. kind of hard capping myself at that. And so far it's been going good and it's how, finally how giving the, me the uh, time to explore other things. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. That's, no, I think that's it. really cool. How do, how do plans and that aspect of things that you've brought in, how does that fit into that? I mean, it actually helps because plans take such a long time to make that yeah. like, so, so right now, actually today we're designing our next set of plans, which is going to be a bed and nightstands. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, between building both of those and creating the plans and all that, it's going to be, you know, probably a, a six week process. That's so, really cool. So each, each video that you have a build video for 
is also going to be a planned set pretty much here on out. Probably not everything, just because oh, okay, I, I think I at some point it'll like, you know, you have a kind of diminishing returns on it and it kind of depends on what you're building. But I will say that each build will be, I think, better than what we were doing before. So like if you look back at the past two builds, we did that giant desk that like a big L-shaped desk that was a commission piece. Oh, and yeah. then I did this coffee table, which wasn't really a big one, but it was like experimental in terms of the shape. Like I basically just wanted to try a shape that a lot of people would look at initially and say, oh, that's going to be too fragile. It turns out it's not fragile at all. It's very strong. It's funny how people are almost always wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. I got got one comment on it and I'm pretty sure it was sincere. And he thought that I weighed 105 pounds. Oh, no. I mean, I'm pretty skinny, but I'm not... (laughs) 105 pounds that's like jesse probably weighs like 105 pounds yeah, or something you need to be a lot shorter yeah you're like to, five two to weigh yeah. 105 pounds but i'm about six two so yeah good 175 wow, nice brag chris yeah, but i'm know. six two so suck 175 it. pounds and I'm muscle. <laughs> how many pounds i don't know about 175 got that nice. kevin Gar- garnett build yeah i'm like a very scaled down <laughs> kevin garnett Beast. So yeah, that's that's what's been going on in my neck of the woods, Mike. Me. Ooh, okay. So yeah, I guess since the last time we talked, it was the end of the year. So man, it was kind of a blur getting everything wrapped up and then getting back into town for holidays to spend some time with family and everything. So I've been back in California now for the past couple of weeks, wrapped up a few patio, or I'm sorry, not patio, laundry room projects. I say laundry room because that used to be a patio, but now it is mm-hmm. closed in. It's an addition. Ooh, I'm, I'm in the I'm in the mode of building fold out things. So I wanted a nice little setup for an ironing board. I like to iron my white shirts or steam mm-hmm. them so they're nice, wrinkle free. And ironing boards just are always in the way. They're kind of large and well, I mean, unless they're going in a closet or in a corner, it's like they're an eyesore, right? So what I did is I just built a nice cabinet that opens up and then a ironing board folds out of it and inside the cabinet you can you know hold all your accessories and 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 the iron and things that you need and it was a fun little project it was just slapping together some hinges and doing some you know fast woodworking but it got me thinking about fold out things Mm -hmm. and i've been on the quest for a good workbench for a little while now i built i built one recently it was actually pretty cool i think it was a setup that had quite a bit of storage in it and then saw horses that it held on the sides that you could then bring out and sort of like expand the tabletop with. Yeah, I thought it was a really cool idea, especially for somebody that wanted to park in their garage and then do DIYs in it. But for Mm -hmm. my shop, space is at such a premium that it was just eating up too much floor space for the storage and kind of what it was offering. Mostly because I can't film with a workbench against the wall. I need it to be in between me and the camera. So it needs to be off the wall. Anyways, long story short, I put that workbench up by the house and it's been really nice. I've been using it for storage and everything there, but I'm still stuck just using sawhorses and a piece of plywood, which is what I've always used. It's just convenient. It's handy. And at the end of the day, it stores against a wall. So that is where I started. I said, well, 
If I'm going to build a workbench and actually use it, I need it to be really compact and I need to be able to get it out of the way. And the best thing I could think of is something that might be able to hang, like fold up and hang on the wall. And so I did a little Pinterest researching and I found a couple DIY projects with articles that then, then led me down a little YouTube rabbit hole. And I sort of digested everything that the internet has in this space. And I'm going to kind of regurgitate it into the DIY version that I think is like most appropriate in terms of being heavy duty, but then also not taking too much in the way of tools or being too complicated to build. And it's been going pretty cool. What I found out is all you really need is like a bolt and then a wing nut on the other side. And you've basically got an axle. You know, that was what I figured out working with the hinges and stuff on the ironing board. And then on the workbench, it's just all working so well. It's been a really fun project. I should have it done, done tomorrow. But it's fun. It's just all simple half laps, really basic joinery. And I think it's going to be a fun project. It's one of those, though, where there's already like three or four of these projects on YouTube. So hopefully I don't get too much hate. And I'm trying to figure out what the perfect intro is where I where I explain. I'm, pr- I'm trying to get all the ideas that are on the Internet and then distill it down to what I think is the best in terms of not being too complicated, but still being heavy duty. What could so be I, like, I got to figure that lead in. What could be the most ridiculous thing that we could build that folds up into the wall? Like, you know, you've seen those ones where people build like dining tables. Yeah. Actually, I saw this one on Instagram today where it was like they painted the whole underside of it. So it looked like a like a big mural or like piece of artwork on your wall. And then it pulls off and it's got like the chairs nested into it. No way. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Like, you know, it's... It's one of those things that's cool, but I don't know like how realistic it is. You know, you have to have like a pretty specific situation where you need to do that. And it's, you know, the floor space is worth like the pain in the butt of having to pull your dining table down every time you're going to eat. But it's still cool in concept, like as a proof of concept or whatever. It's the Murphy bed dilemma. Yeah. Right. right. So the frequency of the thing that you're folding down has to be less than the frequency of need for the space that it occupies, which is why I don't think a Murphy bed is a particularly great idea if you're not camping, right? Or in like some sort of temporary guest room that's an office or something like that. Because you're going to sleep every day. You're probably not going to use that floor space for non-sleeping every day. Like Murphy bed in a guest room, great. Yeah, Murphy perfect. bed in your primary bedroom, probably not the best. Yeah. Exactly. I think the the craziest fold out thing I did was that CrossFit gym. Oh yeah, in the loft. That was pretty nuts. But <laughs> and it was sort of practical. It was medium practical. Right. Yeah. As most like DIYs how often are. Was it, how yeah. often did you put it back where it was completely hidden and how often did you just have it like opened up to use? This was like before the pandemic. It actually would have been something I think if I was in that apartment during the pandemic and gyms were closed, I probably would have used it quite a bit. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But at that particular time, like my Equinox was really close to my office, so it wasn't that big of a deal. That's actually probably the most useful thing that I have because I have this kind of dead corner in our family room that it would be really nice to have like gym equipment or something set up there, but you don't really want it like set up all the time for when, you know, first off, like the kids grabbing it and stuff like that. And then also just like, you know, you don't want a gym in your family room. Yeah. I can't think of too many things where it's interesting because transformation or like physical movement 
in furniture or a built-in or a renovation project is intriguing. It's sort of eye-catching, like, this turns into this. But it's hard to really justify. It's the Swiss Army knife problem. It can do a lot of things, but each additional function compromises the utility of a primary function. Oh, I've got a great example of that. On Pinterest, I saw this really cool, it was like a buffet or a credenza, a pretty big cabinet. Mm -hmm. And from the outset, that's what it was. It was just a cabinet, but it transformed out into a really large dining table. It would probably hold like 12 or 14 Mm. people. But then I realized the entire cabinet is filled up with all of the leaves of the table when it's not in use. So it's like a tricky cabinet because it can't hold anything. Yeah. But it's still useful for clearing space, I guess. That's what I was going to say. Like a dance floor or something. You are right there. So maybe that's in the sense like more useful when it's mostly pulled out and then occasionally you put it away. You could kind of inverse the function. You know what Uh, I mean? Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Hmm. Yeah, which is, yeah, probably what you would do with like that dining table. Which is also kind of where you could go with the Murphy bed, too. You're like, well, it's down most of the time. I just want to put it up occasionally. You could rationalize it it that way, too. Like, what would the situation be where you do that? You're like a yoga instructor who does YouTube videos or something. You're like, I need to fold it all up to have my filming space now. I think it's like the home office setup that's also the guest room. I think that's the case where the the Murphy bed makes the most sense, where you have like your, your extra bedroom. You use it as like a home office, but then if somebody's coming to stay for right. a visit, then you can transform that home office into an extra bedroom. I think the right. big question here, right? Because we're talking transformation, more floor space. When do you need it and why? What do you need extra floor space in the bedroom for only occasionally? Uh, slot car That's tracks. the big question. That's the secret to the Murphy oh. bed. I thought you had the answer. And That's I was the genuine question. It. No. And then, you know, if we could figure that out, then we've got it all solved. Yeah. I mean, I if we could figure it out with our minds not going into the gutter, of course. But yeah. like, oh, yeah. yeah. The gutter of slot cars. Right. Because you don't want to have to fold it up every day to exercise. No, then, that's no. when you're like, your ah, this right Murphy there. bed sucks. I just, I just put the Murphy bed away, then I take it back out, and I'm done for the day. Frequency. That's my well, exercise. Frequency. Maybe once a week, tops, right? That's where we're going. Yeah, or once I a month would be like if you could have an activity that you only need to put it away once a month for that's perfect scenario <sighs> i mean it's the guest room that's like the only thing yeah i think you're right it's realistic because you don't need more floor space in a bedroom no like no. occasionally I can on, not the really bed is basically a soft floor yeah yeah although it is interesting so we were having we hired like an operations company that will be running the hotel and so we're like Ooh. going over the, the design drawings and then checking in with people that have experience operating hotels of this size and getting their sort of feedback so we can adjust the design. And from a sort of marketing standpoint, we really like the idea of having these big picture windows and then the bed right up on it because it creates a very Instagrammable moment. Mm-hmm. But what was interesting to learn is that the operations people are like, that's fine, but that's going to slow our housekeepers down by about like 15 to 20 minutes per flip, which means they're doing one less room flip per day, which ups your sort of operating costs. Got it. So, it's interesting to think that like this looks cool, but if the housekeeper can't get around to the other side of the bed, it slows down the process. But apparently, they have hardware for this where the bed lifts up like a drawbridge just to make it easier to change the sheets. 
And so, like, the hardware kit is like a few hundred dollars, but they're like, oh, no, you make that back within like the first few weeks because you're getting more beds changed per sort of dollar you spend on labor. That's really cool. So, I've got to ask, what is it actually doing that makes it easier to change? It's on hydraulics and it just lifts up. Uh-huh. out of the sort of platform so that it's easier to reach over and, and you hook get, it around the corners. Yeah. So the platform raises, but there's like it, the mattress hangs over the edge a little bit so you can well, still get under, over it. So one long side of the bed is yeah. against the wall basically. Yeah. Mm. So it tilts up towards you so you can Got just it. reach across because it's like it's at an angle. That's yeah. really neat. Yeah. It comes up like an easel. Right. So what's interesting is it's not practical at all unless you accelerate the repetition of that task, right? So, designing a bed to make it easier to change the fitted sheets seems really stupid. But if you're hiring people to change fitted sheets every single day and it improves it, yeah, that is somehow like a worthwhile investment. So, it is kind of interesting to think about that. Like, so many of the things in our homes are designed for the average lifestyle instead of designed to our lifestyle. So, this is like why I'm really interested in like designing more nightstands because a nightstand is like the first piece of furniture that you see in the morning. And probably like the last thing that you kind of look at is where you set your phone or you set your alarm and then you, you know, have your clock there or you turn off the light that's sitting there. So, a typical sort of nightstand is very generic. This doesn't really accomplish a lot of functional tasks. But let's say you're trying to sort of take a certain, be on a certain regime for vitamins or supplements or have a sort of a creative practice of waking up and sketchbooking. Suddenly, this kind of very generic side table could take on a whole lot of specific programming and be like, no, it like presents to you right away your sketchbook and that or it like actually hides your phone and or silences it or has the sort of pills or hydration or whatever you're trying to achieve at the beginning of the day or your end of the day. So, it's fun to think about when you switch the lifestyle sort of, then you almost create sort of design opportunities. What do you guys use as nightstands right now? I use my my headboard. It's just a thick headboard. And so I'm just always first thing in the morning or last thing at night, just like reaching up blindly behind me to grab stuff or set stuff down. I have two like steel there's a ledge above stands. You? Yeah, it's like a yeah. like a six inch wide ledge, basically. I have two steel ones. They're like early early projects I made when I moved out to Joshua Tree when I was experimenting with like making giant rigs with clamps to bend sheet steel. So I'm still using those. And they're handy if you have a magnet, you can stick stuff to them. Ah, nice. I've got the pegboard wall, so oh, mine yeah. can go anywhere. Yeah, your house is <laughs> oh, you pretty much put stuff wherever. You yeah. really just got the living room, living and room and kitchen, kitchen and I'm done. Yeah, exactly. Really? So, wh- when's the uh, the ETA for being done with that? <sighs> Man, I'll tell you what. So, the reason that it's not happening currently is I've been having some scheduling all over the maps with Home Depot because I got really cool news that I'm doing a season two and a season three of that show that we did, How to Undo. Nice. And so I'm going to be in Atlanta shooting that for a full month. You're doing both seasons at the same time? Yeah, we actually are. It's going to oh, be nice. really cool. And so we were going to be shooting that kind of in the beginning and middle of February, but now we're shooting it at the end of February and into March. So okay. I was going to be knocking all of that out, but I don't want to get in the middle of anything too complicated right before I have to jet out. So I've got some outdoor projects. I've got plenty of things to keep me busy until I, until I do leave and head back. When did, when did you start on the house? 
When did I start it? Probably like, like a year ago, kind of like right around now, like a year. Yeah, something okay. like that. It's been a while, man. This past whole year kind of flew by, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. And then what's, uh, I don't know if you're allowed to say, but like after you finish the house, then like, do you already know what the next big thing's going to be? Or are you thinking of anything? Yeah, that's something that I've been working on while we've been not on the podcast. All right. But yeah, Anything it's going to, talk to be about it too early. Yeah, it'll just be another house. When, where, and why? Those will be questions I get answered in the future. Okay, so you're just looking around, seeing what's oh, seeing I what's got out it. there. Oh, you got it. Oh, I got one. But to be announced later. Big time. Okay, well, we're at that point in the we're at that point in the episode where we got to give a big thanks to the sponsor, Saw Stop. So, Ben, can you take it away? Sawstop is the table saw brand that we all prefer. I have one. Mike comes over and uses it. Mike will be getting his own pretty soon. Chris uses one. Which Chris, which one do you have? I have the PCS, Professional Cabinet Saw. Nice. I have the Contractors one. They're all great. And not only are they just excellent table saws, they are also incredibly safe. I have a few. You guys had any injuries lately? I, I slammed my thumbnail in a uh, tape measure today. My Ooh. my worst injury recently was <laughs> I was trying to adjust the tripod and our DSL cameras are pretty heavy. Yeah. And I was adjusting with one hand and it slammed down and like pinched my hand. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> annoying. Well, let me tell you one thing that won't hurt your hands. It's the saw stop. They have this incredible technology. Just Google it. Google saw stop hot dog test. You'll probably see our boy. Cats Moses? Yeah, you'll see someone do like a, someone's done a video <laughs> that went pretty viral on it. But anyways, they're awesome table saws. They're great for woodworking. And you know what? You know who just got one? The Wood Whisperer. Our boy, Mark. Oh, yeah. Hey. So. Welcome to the club. They'll accomplish all your woodworking goals and they'll keep you from getting your hands and fingers chopped off. Yep. Just like always, we've got links down in the show notes. Big thank you. Soft stop. Now let's get back to the show. Okay. All right. So 2022, it's been a while since we talked. Any big plans for the year? Oof. I mean, I think I already kind of hit it, but it's sort yeah. of the opposite. It's it's the purposefully scaling back on content. I don't know if I had talked about this, but like it was a decision that I sort of made last fall. Not that well, it, let's I, talk about it then. Well, yeah, okay, so this I sounds think, good. I don't think rock bottom is the right term, but I felt like I hit rock bottom in terms of the content that I was putting out. You know, I was still doing my best with it and always trying to make whatever video I put out as good as I can make it. But I felt like I was too all over the map where I knew what to expect from myself, but I don't think my audience knew what to expect with each coming video and YouTube didn't know what to expect with each coming video. So I, I felt like it made it hard to grow because it was lacking consistency. And so I was like, all right, I want to get back to like what this channel is all about, which are good projects and good projects take time. And I'd rather do one awesome project than three mediocre projects. And like, yeah, it's not as lucrative. I'll be straight up. It's not as lucrative to do it that way, at least in the short run. But I'm putting faith in that in the long run, it will be. And I think that it will be because like, honestly, so this started four videos ago for me now. And the amount of views that I've gotten over the course of the past four videos, you'd have to go back probably 
six months to accumulate that many views from the type of content that I was putting out. So I feel like it will pay out in the long run. Like, you know, uh, yes, I'm taking way fewer sponsorships than I normally would get. That's where it's going to hurt me the most immediately. But I feel like by doing this, eventually sponsors will hopefully give me better rates because I'll be getting better and more consistent views and whatever. It's just an investment in yourself to also live honestly a happier lifestyle. So it's, I think it's it'll so be a win interesting. In the end. It's something I've been thinking a lot about and it's kind of in, so in like startups and stuff, there's sort of like the seed stage, right? Where you're getting start, you're developing your product, you're really figuring out that first step and that's really exciting. And then once you kind of have a proof of concept or a minimum viable product, you're in the more, and you have your sort of investment in, you're trying to scale. You're trying to say like, okay, we have a thousand customers. How do we go to a hundred thousand and a million and 10 million? That scaling part is, I think, where people really get kind of disillusioned and because it just feels endless. Like you're just trying to grow, 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 grow. And the beginning parts are really exciting because, well, you're creating out of nothing. And we've all been doing this long enough. I was just realizing like I've been, you know, making YouTube videos for like eight years, which is... Whoa. Yeah. And... You have your doctorate in it now. Right. One of the things (laughs) that can happen is, you know, I I hear people in the kind of like entrepreneurial communities kind of criticize the idea of having a nine to five. And I get that because what you don't have in the nine to five is you're basically part of somebody else's plan for scaling. You don't have your own sort of autonomy or your own sort of excitement. You don't have emotional stakes to that kind of predictable schedule. Then you've been, so you get the sort of excitement of starting your own thing, building a channel or building out a furniture brand or do whatever kind of you're doing. And you ride that for a few years. And then you see it actually starting to work as it has, as we're all fortunate to have experienced. Then this is the part where we're kind of in the scaling part or where the tail starts to wag the dog is you start focusing on efficiency. You're like, oh, this is so much fun and I'm making really good money. And now how do I grow this and do more and get more of this and bigger following? And that's where people can get the kind of burnout and that and those kind of negative symptoms, even though when things are going really, really well, because you're focusing less on the adventure, you're focusing more on how to make the things you already know how to do, make videos. You're trying to like squeeze out extra videos or extra content and be more efficient and schedule things tighter and work out better brand deals so you're, you can sort of achieve their content goals quicker. I think what I've been trying to do for this year, I know I can't produce as much content as I used to because I'm doing these other development stuff and a few other sort of advisory roles. So I'm trying to make it a little bit, I'm almost doing the opposite of what Chris is doing is I'm just, just whatever comes into my head, I'm just going to do it. And I don't care. Like, and the other thing that I've discovered now is the more I detach myself from YouTube and just think of I, of making videos, the less I sort of worry about anything other than what I want to do. And so, the YouTube has slowly become sort of deprioritized for me. And I'm trying to focus just on things I want to design and I make videos out of it. And there's just so many platforms now. We posted stuff on Rumble. Yeah, kind of 
kind of like a crappy version of YouTube. But we've been focusing more on like Instagram reels, which are just really consistent and doing big numbers for us. Facebook with Jelly Smack continues to sort of, you know, 10x what our sort of YouTube channel is doing. And now we're going on to sort of a Roku channel and a few other sort of connected TV things. So when I sort of realized that like I don't have to sort of watch the numbers on YouTube so closely or kind of respond to that specific platform, what allowed me to sort of do is like I just have to make things and document them. And if I'm going to do that and that's going to be my work, not YouTube, but making videos and documenting what I'm interested in, maybe I should only make the things I'm kind of curious about. Yeah. I mean, I right. think that, well, it it's kind of shows that there's not a one size fits all solution. Like those are the opposite approaches, but they're both right for our individual situations and goals. Like there's no right one, one right way to do it. Like, I, so I view Ben's content on YouTube and elsewhere as more of, I mean, what you're doing is true to yourself and the way that it plays out is kind of lots of swings and sometimes it's a single and sometimes it's a grand slam. Like, yeah. And when you do that and when you're trying anything and you're just going to like throw stuff out there, like you're going to have probably a kind of low floor that you might hit sometimes, but you're going to have a super high ceiling. Whereas I'm now, I know that like, if I make a good furniture piece, it's not going to be a millions of views video. Like it's never going to be like your hot tub or whatever. There's just not that appetite for this kind of stuff. But if I'm consistent with that, it also won't be, you know, my, uh, I don't know, whatever stupid gimmicky thing I've done in the past that just didn't do well for me. I'm never going to have my Nintendo Switch doing it, but I'm also not going to have my... I must have blocked the bad ones because I can't think of a specific example right now, but there have been some <laughs> and I won't right. have that. Yeah. So, it's But it's cool though, at the essence of what both of you guys are saying is like, I want to do more of the things that I like the most. Yeah. And right. for Chris, that is like just going deep on a furniture build that just takes a lot of time. And for Ben, it's what you were saying, Chris, it's, it's like taking a stab at every neat idea for you, Ben, right? right? Because a lot of times an idea is a neat idea, but you think, is this good enough for a seven minute YouTube video? Is this good enough for a 10 minute YouTube video? And you're like, ah, maybe not because the project itself just doesn't have enough labor involved, but it might be still just as cool of a idea. It might just be the difference between this big long story with a joke at the end of it versus a one liner where it's just, you know, set up punchline. Right. I want to remove that. Does this work for YouTube for my process? It's going to go on YouTube, whether it works for YouTube or not. Because sure. I sort of worked out like uh, a few months ago, I said, what if I only wanted to do videos? Uh, a friend asked me, he's like, do you think if you tried, you could have every video do a million views? And I'm like, I don't think I could do it for like you know 30 or 40 videos a year, but I think I could do it for 10. And I sort of came up a list with 10 ideas that I thought would all get a million views. And then I sort of looked at them and I'm like, I don't want to make a glass hot tub that didn't just sit on my property that never gets used or do that. <laughs> like, I want to make an epoxy in glass hot tub that sits on my right. property so and like never gets used. Every once in a while, I want to do that. But like, it would push me basically to being like the DIY version of like Dude Perfect. Mm -hmm. And oh, yeah, there's a lot of ideas and, you know, with sort of bigger equipment and that would sort of create the thumbnails that you need to sort of generate that. But then I'm thinking it's like the minute I do that and it works, 
then I'll have to do more of that because that yeah. sort of sets the expectation when really what I want to do is take all the ideas that are sort of rattling around in my head and get them archived into some sort of digital video. And then almost the business side is distributing that digital video to the multitude of platforms that are all sort of out there and doing crazy things. So, it's weird how sort of clarifying for me like the what my job title is. It's just archiving ideas that already exist in my head has sort of like freed it up a little bit. Right. But I think time is it kind of like lets all those things play out because when right. you started like Pinterest was like the biggest focus. Mm. And nowadays Pinterest is really cool as a as like a resource gathering tool and like to get inspiration but it's not the same kind of like no. casual browsing platform that it was in 2000 and what 8 2012 right. or and Instagram now Instagram is so different than it used to be that's what i was even going to say i was about to say and now you don't even have pictures on Instagram like every it's a video platform now right yeah yeah completely. and so it's that idea so it's like you're in the you're in the market of ideas and there will always be a platform for it and so you know it's just finding the right idea for the right platform hopefully yeah yeah so it's like i i i I think youtube is awesome and it's like because you make books not magazines basically i feel like the the formatting on instagram and twitter and tiktok is all i mean not a lot of our old instagram content gets a lot of like Instagram content from two years ago isn't getting a lot of views today, whereas some of our YouTube videos from five or six years ago are still doing a lot of views today. So, I like that idea. I think the the part I really enjoy about YouTube is when you hit publish, it's like you're adding a book to the shelf of the library that's about you or about your work. And I think that's a really cool feeling. Every published moment feels like a significant chapter addition to the 300 previous chapters we've done. Here's a question. Yeah. As as consumers, wh- how much time do you spend, would you say, let's just say all social medias, including YouTube, and then let's add in like Spotify or wherever you listen to stuff. How much time would you say you devote to each of those? What does the pie look like? Sure. So the biggest piece of pie for me is probably podcast, but I don't use Spotify that much. I use mostly just the the Apple Apple. app. And by far, like the only podcast that I'm not really missing right now is the All In podcast. The I probably use Instagram the most as a consumer on social media. And it's because it's quick. It's it's also a combination of both social. I have a lot of like friends on there. I'll see like what our boy Schultz is up to, college friends, high school friends, and then also get design inspiration from all the cool creatives that I follow. Mm -hmm. So, Instagram is probably the social media I consume the most. I don't watch YouTube. Like I, I occasionally will watch like uh, if I'm researching a project, like I was trying to find a video on skylights. Mike, you were right. There aren't a lot of good videos on skylights out there. No, there's really not. Yeah. Untapped resource. Yeah. There's about to be yeah. on homemade modern. <laughs> watch out. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I don't watch too much YouTube and I don't use Facebook really at all. I yeah. probably use like Twitter second most. I I don't use Twitter at all. I, I Maybe I should. I don't know. Whatever. I just read on it. I don't post on it. So, okay. So, no Twitter. I don't ever use Facebook. Instagram for me is like when I'm taking a dump. So, if I respond to one <laughs> of your DMs, I'm taking a dump. That is to say it's not that much, you know. 
three hours a day. Just joking. No, not that much. <laughs> and a lot of pizza. <laughs> no, so not a lot of that. YouTube for me is probably the the most of like the video platforms because I do, you know, I'll watch it like when I'm going to bed or like when I'm eating lunch or something like that. Oh, so I probably get like a good 45 minutes of YouTube in a day. Spotify is probably the most time or just podcast because, you know, when you're driving or when I'm working, there, there's a lot of time to consume audio. And then I guess that's everything, huh? You, yeah, but Chris be on Reddit for sure. Oh, Chris Reddit, has been yes. in actually yeah. Reddit. I will. Look Chris at. has been in thirty three minutes a day on Reddit. Reddit of of the like quick scroll things. I'm definitely more of a Reddit person than a Instagram person. Ooh, nice. That's what you pick up first on yeah. your phone. Okay. Yeah, I guess for me, I'm in terms of video platform. Yeah, YouTube for sure. It's also probably like what I'm on my phone being distracted with, like actively the most. Because mm-hmm. Spotify and podcasts, I don't really like just stare and look at a podcast, no. right? So you're doing something else. I don't really it's consider that background. like wasted time. Yeah, but in terms of like wasting time, like YouTube or Instagram, I definitely spend more time on YouTube wasting time. And then, yeah, Instagram is the social that I use most often, but. Not a fan of Twitter. Seems real negative. Facebook, I don't know. I think people like people stopped using Facebook when I was in high school. So yeah. nowadays, man. Dude. Oh, that's it. TikTok. I just haven't migrated over to TikTok. So now that's how I know that I'm getting old. So is <laughs> like I see enough TikToks on the Instagram yeah. Explorer that I'm like, oh, I kind of get like I know what like I I think I know what the most of the TikToks are that are out there. I'm like, I don't need a whole nother app because if it is, it's going to be like uh, however long, 15, 45 minutes app on average Ooh, every day. Maybe that's the future. And you only take so many dumps in a day. That's right. Well, right. Depends what your diet so you can is. Only have so, you can only have like one dump app. And, you know, if you choose YouTube, it's YouTube. You can't have YouTube and another thing. This this has to be something that has already existed in some form. Or, I mean, there's a reason that the the companies would not want you to, but like some kind of app bundling where like you get all of your content in one hub. I don't know how that would work. Like the, Wolf on the office. Like you get a Wolf. Is that, was that their like fake, so, their social media or something? Yeah. It's like where it sends you a fax, an email, a call, a text, <laughs> everything at once. Just all comes in. I feel like, like something like that will be in our future. The super app. I mean, yeah. Or it's in just other like countries, everything they in one that, spot. Like, kind of like WhatsApp type things that are your social media, your messaging, your email, like more things kind of combined. I don't know, man. I think everything's decentralizing, you know, that's a real hot word, decentralizing. Mm. Mm. Well, they've all been, they've all been like these separate little things, but then like, what if it just turned into like, well, these are the things I care about. And so like, it, things get I, decentralized and then they get bundled. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's kind of how it works. It's like, a like cable. It's like a pendulum swing. <laughs> Man, all right. What are you guys obsessed with? Ooh, you've pro- every we've each probably gone through like five different obsessions in the past. Yeah. Oh, six so I, weeks. I got one. Let's hear it. I have one too. Okay, great. It's an HBO show called Peacemaker. It's with John Cena. Mm, oh no, this. you told me about this. I can, I yes. don't trust anything with John Cena and his acting chops. So it leans in to exactly the reasons why you just said what you said. So that's why it <laughs> works because it knows that it's corny as hell, but they like oh, perfectly okay. kind of like use that corniness to, to the show's effect. But 
the intro season, the intro to it is like this dance sequence that's just so dumb, it's hilarious. It just makes no sense, but they just like full send it. The other cool thing is, oh, I went to a UFC fight in person. I went to like the, the oh, yeah. Ngannou, uh, the Francis Ngannou, Cyril Gon fight in Anaheim. Oh, and nice. that was pretty cool. You were close to the cage. Tell me, did you Very feel close. the vibrations of the like the punches? Because you had the two like heavyweights so with like the strongest punching power in the game. You definitely feel the difference of the ring vibrations for, you know, over 500 pounds of heavyweights versus the previous fight, which was 225 pound guys. So it feels like it's just like plywood with like a pad and canvas on some sort of like metal frame. You know what it is? Yeah. It's like, like kind of like a flatbed trailer where it's like plywood on like a steel frame. And if you jumped up and yeah. down, it sounds just like that. Mm-hmm. Got it. Got it. But UFC fans. Yeah. A lot of like, a lot of tattoos. Uh, it was in Anaheim too. Like, so it was like a SoCal one. Was yeah. there with like with a, with a bunch of boys and whole yeah. lot of Tito Ortiz fans back in the day. <laughs> yeah, Huntington Peach bad boy. <laughs> it, it, it's funny. There's certain things that I can't really imagine like people doing, but I know a lot of people actually do. And one right, of them is like, like using Facebook a lot. But then like I like I, I don't know anyone that's like on Facebook on a laptop all the time. But then I look at our view numbers and like we did like 200 million views on Facebook last year. So here I got some really good insight. I was talking to my dad and he was talking to me about Joe Rogan podcast. It was like, I was catching something on Facebook. It was a Joe Rogan clip. I'm like, you got to watch the full episode. What are you doing? He's like, well, I can't at work because they got an internet blocker on like YouTube, Spotify, but not on Facebook for whatever Mm. reason you can still get on Ah. Facebook. And so that's where he's watching his Joe Rogan (laughs) clips and whatnot. We had dinner with Joe Rogan after the fights, which was pretty cool. Yeah. Okay. So let's keep talking. You're gonna you're gonna give some Uh, some yeah some stories. It was a. I I told you some of the stuff that we kind of talked about, and right. But I don't. You know, I don't want to share tales out of out of school he he's kind of been going through a little bit of controversy lately but let me just i know i lobbed you up for you to say like oh no man he was honestly the nicest guy in the world couldn't have been better great meeting him. he is authentic to his media personality he's passionate and curious and mostly sort of like humble and aware that he gets things wrong but also like isn't going to stop just going after stuff that he thinks is cool yeah they're really going after him too I don't know what's going on, man. Pretty, pretty good response video and how he handled it. It was like it was a good lesson in not defending and attacking back. But if you feel like you had good intentions, like lead with an expression that actually mirrors those good intentions. For sure, yeah, I think so too. And way to do like a nine, ten minute video and like explain yourself so clearly and like minimize your ums and likes. He's good yeah. at that. I can't do Chris, that. Chris, what are you obsessed with, dude? Ooh, well, I don't know if this counts as obsession, but I'm very late to the game, but I started watching Succession. Did you oh. guys watch that? Yes. Mike, it's did you good. watch it? Yeah. No, I haven't really caught okay, any so of it. I saw an episode or two. Let's just say it took us like a month to watch the first two episodes. And now yeah. we've been, we've been going through it at a pretty good clip. It's, so now we're on like the really, third season. The first three episodes, I was like, what is this show? It's like, is this like Downton Abbey or is it like a aristocratic version of the office? Yeah. It, after the third episode, it just gets, it just hits its stride and is 
one of the funniest smart shows on TV. It's also one of those things once you have kids, it's and you're picking up a new show, like you don't get to start watching the show until the end of a long day. So you always fall asleep. Yeah. So you have to rewatch the first like half hour over and over because like, oh, I fell asleep again. Oh, I fell asleep again. So I'm sure a lot of listeners can relate to that. Ooh, other than that, I've been a lot of investing stuff and like oh, personal finance stuff. Dip. <laughs> Not that kind of stuff. More like personal. I mean, yeah, I guess that's part of it. Thinking more seriously about retirement. Not that I'm going to be retiring anytime soon, but yeah, yeah not, it's, it's not, not the most interesting thing month. to talk about, but yeah, <laughs> yeah no. not doing two videos a month. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I kind of already am retired yeah. though, if I'm only making yeah. two videos a month, right? Yeah. Yeah. This is like your twilight. Yeah, right? this is that's like what I would do <laughs> when I was retired anyway. And so I'm already retired. Two videos a month in a Hawaiian shirt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Riding off into the sunset in a Tommy Bahama. <laughs> I'm just talking about the pH balance of pools. That's going to be every video <laughs> from here on out. But yeah, so that that's kind of what I've been doing lately. Uh, Mike obsession. Well, hey, a couple of my obsessions in the past have been like Graham Stephen. Yeah, you watch him. I've seen him. He's on that personal finance move. Yeah, actually, okay, so here, let me shout out the guy that's my favorite of all these people. Yeah, okay, He's great. He's got a pretty small YouTube channel. Gary like, Yeah, maybe <laughs> Grant very small. No, his name is Rob Berger, which I, I like that name, first of all. <laughs> that's cool. Sounds Rob like Rob Berger. Rob Berger, almost, if you say it fast enough. He's like, he's a retired lawyer. He gives like very sound advice. It'd be like if you went and talked to your dad's friend who's like done well and like, let me tell you how to actually retire. So it's like nothing sensational. He breaks down the concept. So it's like really evergreen material. It's very good. Like you can tell he's very sincere. And so if you're looking for something that's from a very sincere person that doesn't need to make money off of YouTube, not that any of the other people need to make money off of YouTube either, but like, you know, he's definitely never going to sell you anything or anything like that. Check out Rob Berger. It's a pretty small YouTube channel. So, um, but he does a good job. It's very dry. So don't expect anything special. Yeah. If you're a personal finance YouTuber and your finances are tied up on your YouTube income, <laughs> I question how legit you are, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, why YouTube need to make the money so I can invest something? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah, it's chicken or the egg, right? Yeah. What am I obsessed yes. with? I've been watching a lot of NFL, man. Yeah, the playoffs were good this really good this this year yeah i think i don't know what it go is rams. yeah go rams for sure maybe it's maybe it's because i'm in california right go i don't rams know what it is but i've been Stevens. really watching a lot of football catching a ton of highlights on youtube especially and yeah i guess that's what it is my highlight is the nfl there you go oh. it's a good pick because you only got like one more week that you could pick it super bowl party mike let's do it yeah okay let's do it all right, everybody. Well, I appreciate y'all listening. If you have any questions, comments, or things that we should talk about on the show, make sure and hit us up on Instagram so we can know. You can find Ben at Benjamin Ueda. You can find Chris at Four Eyes Furniture. And you can find me at Modern Builds. My name's Mike. We appreciate y'all listening. Keep it real. If you need a saw, get a saw stop. And we will see you next week. Bye, everybody. Later. Bye.